What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from High V and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here with you on this episode of the podcast. We're going to preview Packers versus Chiefs. Hit that up. We're going to catch up with our good buddy, Dr. Crow. Can Aaron Rodgers actually play again this year? We'll get his thoughts on that. And Joe Burrow's injury. Is there some cause for concern about Joe Burrow? And then we talk with our good buddy, Joe Grabowski, former Badger offensive lineman, owner at uh, Cabin Coffee. He's still pumped about that win against uh, the Gophers and bringing the Axe back to Wisconsin. We lead off the podcast, though, talking some Packers versus Chiefs. Sunday night football. Packers have a chance to get back to 500 and put themselves tied up with the, the Vikings and the Seahawks for one of those final two playoff spots. Packers kind of control their destiny right now, right? That's when you get to this point in time, when you flip the calendar over to December, you kind of want to be able to be in a position where you control your destiny. And Green Bay has that opportunity in front of them right now. They have that opportunity to control their destiny. And that's where they want to be. And every team wants to be in that position to control it, where you don't have to rely on other teams you know, helping you out, winning games for you, that sort of thing. But can they get the W against Kansas City? What do you think? Give me your predictions. Give me your picks. Give me your analysis. Keys to victory. Key matchups here. When you look at Kansas City so far this year, the narrative surrounding the Chiefs has been mostly about their defense. And their defense... When you look at it, you know, yards per game, allowed per game, they are top five. They're actually fourth. Uh, the teams above them, Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas, and then San Francisco uh, is behind them. But Kansas City this year has been uh, given up 290 yards per game on the defensive side. If you break it down passing, their top three team in pass defense just given up 176.6 through the air. Rushing-wise, a little bit more uh, middle of the pack here. They are allowing 113.4 yards on the ground. And then points per game, defensively, top three, giving up just 16.5 points per game. So it's been big part of their success this year has been because of their defensive play. And a lot of younger guys on that defense, right? Remember last year they had a lot of younger dudes on there? Mixed in with some veterans like Chris Jones, and I want to get to Chris Jones, the the dominant defensive lineman here in a second. But it's been, you got to give him credit, Steve Spagdolia has done a, a fantastic job with this group, and they're playing incredibly well. And the narrative surrounding their offense this year has been, what's wrong with the offense? Maybe a little bit slower. You know, second half scoring down. Well, when you look at it, and you're probably looking at, like, numbers-wise, I'm like, well, dudes, they're still top 10 in yards per game offensively. Passing yards per game, they're top 10. You know, rushing yards per game. 
again, middle of the pack, which that's kind of been typical for, for Kansas City over the years. And then points per game. Points per game for for Kansas City just outside the top ten. They're they're allowing or they're they're scoring twenty three point three points per game. But it's because they've set that bar so incredibly high. And when you have Patrick Mahomes and when you have Travis Kelsey, you know you're 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 probably expecting top five offense every single year. So by those expectations and by the bar that they have set. Over the last few years, just being a little bit down on the offensive side, yeah, there's going to be like, what's wrong with Kansas City? And as long as they still got Patrick Mahomes and as long as they still got Travis Kelsey on that field, it's a threat. Don't don't overthink it. It's a threat. I don't care if their numbers are a little bit down this year. They're they're still scary. They are still worrisome, and they will still present a challenge to any defense that they go up against, especially with uh, with Green Bay coming up here. But one of my key matchups in this game, and maybe the biggest one, is their defensive lineman, Chris Jones. Their dominant defensive lineman. One of the best, if not the best, for a lot of people in the game. Green Bay won last week, in my opinion, because of them winning in the trenches. They won in the trenches. Their offensive line won. Their defensive front won. That, to me, was a big reason, if not the biggest reason, why Green Bay won against Detroit. And now they go up against the Kansas City team that has one of the best defensive linemen in the entire league. A guy who can wreck a game himself. A massive human being. I mean, Chris Jones is like 6'6", 6'5", 6'6", over 300 pounds. He kind of makes Kenny Clark look a little small sometimes. But this is a guy who can completely wreck the line of scrimmage. And to me, that is one of the biggest keys to victory, key matchups for this game is how does this Packers offensive line neutralize him, stop him, slow him down, whatever you want to call it, so he's not consistently in the backfield stopping the run, or chasing Jordan Love around, constantly putting pressure on him. This is a huge game for Josh Myers, the center, Elton Jenkins, you're, you're, you know, and, and then John Runyon Jr. Now, I feel like John Runyon Jr., I think a lot of fans want to see Sean Ryan out there now. And we saw him a little bit in the, in the Lions game, and I think the, the calls are getting a little bit louder each week. Well, if I'm Steve Spagnolia, okay, and I'm looking at this, I am trying to line up Chris Jones over John Runyon Jr., over the center, and trying to exploit that. 
Though that's where I'm looking. I'm looking at maybe lining him up in the A gap between that center and right guard and just bull rushing the heck out of him and trying to get into that backfield right away. Try to expose the weakness. Now, Jones is a guy they can line up in a couple different spots. I wouldn't be surprised if they move him maybe a little bit at the defensive end and try to go after you know, the, the left tackle position. But I think Green Bay's, when, 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 when Jordan Love goes up to the line of scrimmage and when Josh Myers goes up to the line of scrimmage, you better be looking where 95's at and trying to diagnose and try to figure out, okay, what's he going to do? Where's he at? How do we play this? I expect a lot of double teams, uh, maybe even an extra tight end or in, in the backfield like a Josiah DeGuara to add a little protection there. But they have, the, to me, the main key, one of the main keys in this game is how do you neutralize Chris Jones so he doesn't completely dominate in the trenches? Because he has that ability, and he's done it how many times? And when you look at this Packers offensive line, where is that weakness? It's right around that right guard spot, that A-gap between Myers and John Runyon Jr. You kind of wonder how short is that leash for, for John Runyon Jr. in this game. If he's out there starting, you kind of wonder how short is that leash going to, to be. I don't know. Uh, I I I don't know where where it's where it's going to be at, but to me that's that's going to be a big one over there. And then you know you look at some of the other ones here. Obviously, how does Green Bay's secondary slow down Kelsey? Because I feel like in the offensive side of things, if you're able to neutralize Travis Kelsey, you got a shot to really slow down this Kansas City offense. And are they putting up points like they like we've seen over the last few years? Heck no, they're not. Right? We know that. They're not. I mean, the, the most points they scored this year, yeah, I mean, Raiders, they had 31, then 21 against the Eagles, 21 against the uh, the Dolphins. You know, 24, or they only had nine against the Broncos, 31 Chargers. So, you know, you're looking at that and you're like, okay, they're, they're not putting up a whole lot. But... Again, it's still Mahomes, and it's still Travis Kelsey. We know Green Bay the last couple years, last few years, they sure have seen to uh, struggle at times, slowing down tight ends. And when you've got one of the best in the game, then Travis Kelsey coming in, boy, dude's already got 70 catches this year. 70 receptions. 732 yards. Think about that. 70 catches right now. He's one of those guys where, and I know we've talked about it or, or fans have always talked about it too. It's like you can game plan for him. Like, like, how does he consistently get open? How is he open over the middle of the field? Why? Every single time. It's like, it seems like when Mahomes needs to pick up a first down or something, there's Travis Kelsey. Like, you know team's game plan for 87 for, for Kelsey. Yet he finds those holes in zones. 
Him and Mahomes are on that connection. They're on that same page. Put it comparison, Kelsey, with his 70 catches. You want to know, like for, for Green Bay, who's got the most catches right now? Do you want to put in a little bit of a, a comparison here? That'd be Romeo at 41. That's Romeo at 41. Then you got Jaden Reed at 36. And Luke Musgrave, who missed last week's game, is third at 33. So we could sit here and say, got to stop Travis Kelsey. Got to slow him down. A lot of teams haven't been able to figure that out yet. So how does Green Bay? You know, to to quote uh, Dan Patrick, I think, was a DP back in the good old ESPN days, you can't stop him. You only hope to contain him. I think that's the game plan here with, with Kelsey. Do they put Quay Walker on him? Do they put uh, a safety on him? Do you double team him? I think at this point, if if I'm going up against Kansas City, I'm taking my chances and I and I try to double team Travis Kelsey and, and I make you know MVS the former Packer beat you, Rice the the rookie wide receiver. I try to make those guys beat you. Sky Moore's on there. I know, you know, Isaiah running out of the backfield is is. Is a is a fast weapon, is a good weapon, is kind of a sneaky weapon that the Chiefs like to employ. But I don't know. I'd I'd probably take my chances in trying to double team Kelsey so he just doesn't take over the game and picks up those third downs and, and make these other guys beat beat you. That's where you know, to be honest, I'd really like Jair to play in this game and he did return to practice yesterday. Still. Matt LaFleur, non committal, whether he's gonna be able to go or not. But he's definitely, you know, Kelsey, again, one of those guys. You, I don't think you can completely stop the man. You you just got to contain him and slow, try to slow him down just a little bit. And that little bit might be enough to make a difference. And, you know, offensively for, for Green Bay, kind of going back to, to them, you know, Jordan Love. This is, I'm sure he won't say it probably in public, but I'm trying to channel Jordan's mindset here a little bit. His first career start was against Kansas City a couple years ago. Steve Spagnolia played a lot of zero blitz against him. I don't think Spags will, will do that all the time in this game. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of opportunities or plenty of times he's going to do that. But probably will dial it down just, just to scotch here, scotch here. Because, I mean, I think everybody in their world, apparently, besides Matt LaFleur at that point, thought, okay, young guy coming in. Short week of preparation. Let's go attack him. Let's let's go after the man. And it felt like a couple years ago, playbook was kind of very limited for for love here. But I think this is going to be a game that, again, it's going to be rhythm. It's going to be timing on the offensive side. Getting the ball out quick. Getting the ball out to his playmakers. Getting him out to, to Watson, to Dobbs. If Reed can go, Reed hasn't been practicing, which to me would stink in this game. I would love to have Jane Reed out there, but he hasn't been practicing because of that chest injury. Matt LaFleur did say didn't suffer a setback in that Lions game, so maybe just giving him extra days, as many days as possible, to not get out on a or you know to to get some rest. But I think this is a game on on, on the offensive side of things, tempo and just being in rhythm, timing. And getting that ball out quick is going to be crucial. I saw a stat 
the other day about uh, Jordan Love getting the ball out in under 2.5 seconds. And he's pretty good. He was pretty good at it. I wish I would have saved. I don't know, let me see if I can find it here. But he was like 10 of 15 or something. You know, was it? I think it might have been that Lions game. I'll see if I can try to find it uh, coming up during the break here. Oh, here it is. I got it. Uh, Jordan Love went holding the ball for less than 2.5 seconds this season. 80 for 109. 80 out of 109, excuse me. 653 yards, eight touchdowns, no picks. 85.3 pro football focus grade, fourth among all quarterbacks this season. That, to me, has got to be a key in this offensive game plan, knowing that the Chiefs are a top-five team and getting after the quarterback, taking the quarterback down. They're a top-five pass defense. They're an aggressive defense. So that timing, getting the ball out quick, getting them, getting the ball into your playmaker's hands are going to be key. I'd love to have Aaron Jones in this game because I feel like this is a game two for Aaron Jones. But it sure doesn't look like he's going to be out there. He hasn't been practicing, so don't count on it. That's where I feel like, too, Jaden Reed is such a key for, for this offense. Like, if there isn't an Aaron Jones where you can move him around and, and have him involved in, in the passing game and such, to me, Jaden Reed is is that next guy up, a guy that you can – he's like your chess piece. You can – you know, we've seen him with the, with the jet sweeps. We've seen him inside, outside, middle – all that sort of stuff the last few weeks. Finally, we're, we've been seeing him kind of utilized in that role. And if he's not in this game, that's going to make it tougher. But it's all going to be about tempo and timing. And don't turn the ball over. Don't make any mistakes. Don't give the Chiefs offense extra possessions. You know, we talked about can this team get into a shootout? When we were looking at the Chargers game, right? Like, oh, can they get in a shootout? And Green Bay did, you know, they they held them and they got a little lucky at times, you know, with with turnovers and such. But, hey, that's part of every game. But I think if you're Green Bay's defense, too, and if you have the chance and you're getting into a a, a scenario where it's third and long, third and eight, you got to get off the field. Don't allow Kansas City to pick up those third and eights third and nines, third and sevens, whatever they are, right? When you get into those situations, it goes back to the trying to neutralize Travis Kelsey. If if Green Bay is in a third and eight, I'm double-teaming Travis Kelsey every single time. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm double-teaming him every time. I'm maybe putting Quay Walker lined up at, on him right at the line of scrimmage to try to knock him off his timing route. Just to, just to slow it down by a half a second, and maybe that will screw up the timing with him and Patrick Mahomes. Like, if it is in that third and mid or third and long, all my eyes are on 87. Like, okay, where is he at? Let's let's put a couple guys on him. Let's maybe put a linebacker on him right at the at the start, just to you know give him a little nudge. Hopefully knock him off on his timing, but he's a big guy too, so that might not work all the single time there. But I, I feel better than I did a few weeks ago about this game. I, I feel a little bit better. I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm still picking Kansas City to win. 
I'm still picking Kansas City to win. But a few weeks ago when we looked at this game, I'm like, oh, boy. But given the last couple weeks, last, you know, even throwing a little Pittsburgh, and I know it was kind of like, ugh, yuck. But mostly from, there was some stuff to take away from that game, especially for, from Love in the first half. But looking at the last couple weeks, I feel a little bit better about this game. I feel a little bit better. But for me, a guy that's that's got to have a game, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with an offensive and a defensive player. Actually, I'm going to go with three because I think there's two offensive ones, and, and, and I'll go with one defensive. And I'm, the reason I'm picking two offenses is because I'm not sure if one's going to play. But if Jaden Reed's playing, that's got to be a guy that's got to have a game. Because of the chess piece that he can provide, he's kind of been filling in, I think, a lot for, for that Aaron Jones role. Although, too, I would throw in, don't sleep on Dontavian Wicks in this game if he's able to go out there and play. I think that could be a sneaky pick. You know, I don't think he's going to get 100 yards rush or receiving. He might have a couple of big catches, moving to chains type of catches. But I think a guy, if he's out on that field, it's got to be Jaden Reed. And then I'm going with Josh Myers, center, up on that offensive line, going up against Jones. You know, you could say, too, like John Runyon Jr. or Sean Ryan. Let's just call it the center-guard combo. Let's call it the, the center and right-guard combo. Those those two guys got to have a game. That combo has to have a game because you cannot let Chris Jones just dominate you every single snap of the game. He's going to be moved around a little bit, but I would have to imagine Spagnolia is going to have him lined up over that A-gap on that side to really try to expose the weakness on this offensive line. And then defensively, I, I think I'm going to go Quay Walker as a guy that has to have a game. Whether, you know, if he's in a little bit of coverage, maybe, you know, in a zone part where, where Travis Kelsey's in the middle of the field. But also I think Quay Walker is such is, is a guy that, you know, you're going to hopefully rely on him. Or, you know, he's probably going to have responsibilities to try to chase down Isaiah, the backfield, for, for, for Kansas City. Maybe even, you know trying to chase down Patrick Mahomes if Patrick Mahomes is trying to extend the the play using his legs, using his feet. You know, having Devondre Campbell out there I think opens up the opens up Quay Walker to do a little bit more on on the offensive side of things. You can utilize him in different spaces, different spots. But that's a guy too that I think is that's got to have a game because I think his head's going to be on a swivel. Passing game, helping stop the run. We know Kansas City has speed. They love their speed. Isaiah's got a lot of speed. They use him in different packages. Quay's probably going to have to be the guy that's got to chase him down quite a bit or try to stop him from reaching that next level to where you know he reaches that second, third level, and it's like, oh, well, good luck. And then also with the Travis Kelsey passing game, if he's going to be dropping in the zone here a little bit in his zone, is where Kelsey's, you know, kind of targeting, going into. I think Quay Walker's a guy that's got to have a game, too. A lot of these guys have to have games, but those are those are my picks. Those are my picks. But I, not to, not to be a downer, I still think Kansas City squeaks this one out. 
All right, let's take a quick break, and we will catch up with our good buddy, Dr. Crow, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, for a little Inside the Training Room. Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. A world-class hunter. Congratulations on your deer, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah, Got to make some more room on that wall now, big guy. Got to make some more room. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Good problem to have. Exactly. I wish I had that problem. So, hey, uh, got to ask how many people have been asking you now about Aaron Rodgers returning to practice and, uh, and the whole Achilles thing more than, than what we ask you every Friday, it seems like? I would say uh, all of them, yeah, everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, a pretty, it's a pretty hot topic right now. And I, ironically, actually, even in the orthopedic community, um, a, lot of, a lot of my colleagues and I have been chatting about it too, so it's, it's pretty pervasive. Now I still have my doubts, Austin. If if this is a, if, if he's actually going to to play at this, but I mean, the fact that he's out there, and I know you know the Jets have been posting videos of him, and he's doing a little dropbacks and all that. Given what he's doing, from what we have seen, is that still kind of considered a remarkable progress in his recovery at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even doing those movements is is impressive. Um, so, I mean, you know, the thing, he's going to have a brace on that you can't really see. That's going to be supporting it. So he's going to wear, going to be wearing some kind of ankle photorthosis to, uh, to support the Achilles, number one. And number two, I mean, a lot of it is, I don't want to say uncharted territory, but to a certain degree, because we just don't let patients do that. Um, and like we've talked about, I mean, is it possible that we've been playing these ones too slow and we can accelerate the rehab protocol? It's possible. Um and, you know, I will tell you, if this goes well for him, and, you know, I guess in some level, I certainly hope it does. No one wants him to be re-injured. Um, I promise you patients will come in and ask us, you know, it's like when they have surgery, like, well, can I go faster too? Um, and so it, it, it'll be interesting to see. And I think the problem is, is in science, we try to have evidence for what we do. I mean, you know, in surgery that you can't always have that, you can't always have what's called a level one study where you blind it and you have two different groups and, and keep them equal and all that stuff. So it's, it can be a challenge to be able to draw strong conclusions, um, certainly from one case. We call this anecdotal evidence. And so the problem is, is it's in, it's in people's you know, mind and eyes. So it's like, all right, it's in the paper, it's on the Internet, so people talk about it a lot. But if it works for him, doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone, certainly. So, um, but to be where he's at, yeah, it's certainly impressive. But one of the analogies a lot of, a lot of my colleagues and I have been chatting about is ACL. So that's certainly an injury we talk about a lot. Oh, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was a push for a certain surgeons to start saying, maybe we can accelerate our recovery for our ACLs. And they were trying to get athletes back before six months. So they're getting them back at three, four, five months. And we found that that worked for some, but the re-rupture rate was much, much higher. So even though it's not 100% failure, if you triple and quadruple the failure rates, most surgeons are going to say that's a bad idea. So, again, it may work for Aaron Rodgers, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. Um, and, and I still have my doubts as well that whether he's even going to try to come back, especially now that they're essentially out of contention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, the, the upside for him is not that high. Right. So mm-hmm. we'll see though. Now I know we, we mentioned this when it happened, Kirk Cousins did not have that same procedure as Aaron Rodgers did. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I think it was because, you know, just the point in time in the season, even though, you know, if he would have done the same one, he still wouldn't have been able to be back. But, you know, in terms of like a recovery process, though, if, if people see Aaron recover quicker, could they, could you see a scenario where maybe if somebody does tear an ACL or an Achilles like in week eight, like Kirk Cousins did, even though he may not be back, but just to recover quicker, could you see that transition uh, come up a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, if there's if there's evidence that shows this works, I mean, I think you'll see it adopted more widely. It, it, these implants have been around, so just a quick touch on that again. It's you know we've always sutured them together. This is augmented or strengthened by additional anchors in the Achilles bone. So or, I'm sorry, the uh, calcaneus to support the Achilles. So that is is the idea behind it. And so you know whether or not that's actually going to be strong enough to provide real structural support for when you're you know running and jumping and loading that Achilles. That remains to be seen. I mean, is it, is it, does it make it stronger? I think probably so, but is it strong enough to radically change it? I think that's what people are asking. But to your point, yeah, I mean, if, if we're able to accelerate recovery, and that's worth something too. I mean, because, you know, not everyone's a professional athlete, but if, if someone tears their Achilles and they're a laborer, they can't work either. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's real. I mean, weeks and months, I mean, sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that when we're taking care of these patients, like getting back a week earlier can make a big difference to people. So we always want to do our best to try, get people back as, as not only back to 100%, but back as quickly as possible. This might be a kind of a stupid question to, to ask you, but, you know, obviously we're talking about the, the procedure that, that he's undergone, but could there be something maybe more just in terms of the rehab that he's doing differently from other people or, or anything like that that could be expediating the, the, this recovery? Is there something that maybe he's doing differently or being more aggressive in, like, the, the, the physical therapy part of it that, that could be doing this? Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, I think um, very few people in the world have the resources he has, right? I mean, professional athletes are in a truly unique situation where they have teams of people dedicated to them. And in, dish, in addition, he I'm sure he has his own nutritionist, he has his own therapist, he has his own massage therapist. Has, I mean, you name it, he probably has, there's going to be the Jets, and then there's going to be his own personal one. So, there's no question the TLC that he's getting is going to be very, very different than any patient um, so that certainly could be playing a role in it as well. Um, you know, whether additional stretching and massaging and ultrasound and all that stuff plays a radical difference um, in, in recovery, I guess that also is up for debate. But certainly he has things that are confounding. So it's not just the surgery that's different. It's the things that he has at his, at his fingertips. He's Dr. Crow inside the training room, Triple Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Going back to a couple weeks ago uh, when we last talked to you before before the holiday break, Joe Burrow, uh, the injury at that time when we talked to you, we didn't know exactly what it was, but you, you nailed it on the on the head there with uh, with his wrist injury. So recovery, you know, is there any long term concerns or, or issues with with that uh, with that surgery or that recovery from his wrist injury, doctor? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the, so that's his injury is what's called the scapholunator SL for short because it's a mouthful. So scapholunate injury. So SL injuries are challenging. So. It destabilizes the whole wrist. I mean, you saw him try to throw a football. I mean, that, that video went around the Internet real fast where he just grimaces and, like, and he almost drops the football. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's a devastating injury. It really is. And so, it, like we talked about, there's the carpal bones. It's a group of eight bones that sit between, basically, your metacarpals and your hand and then the, the actual forearm bones, the radius and the ulna. And they're not just haphazardly sitting there. They're, they're interlinked in one of the major ligaments is the scapholunate ligament so when you tear this ligament it's not just like tearing your acl with the knees a little unstable 
and that does happen. There is instability, but in addition, the bones literally shift around. So often on the x-ray, we can see, you know, the, the bones have shifted, and it's a way that we can we can tell on x-ray, like, oh, yep, your, your scaphalunate's injured. So the problem is, is, as opposed to the ACL, that there's, you know, excellent data on surgeries that work very well. The SL has been a troublemaker. So, I mean, those, those, there's surgeries out there, so don't get me wrong. There's surgeries that we, we try to do. Just they, the success rate isn't nearly as high as, let's say, an ACL, for example, or a labral tear in a shoulder. Um, and so not to say he won't be back, not to say he won't be back 100%, but this injury is one of those that people do not always make a full recovery from. So we're certainly wishing him the best, but it's 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 definitely a serious injury. There's no question about that. Man, i got to imagine the, the Bengals got to be holding their breath uh, without, for this whole recovery time at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a long recovery too. I mean, you can't you can't push this one too quick. That's for sure. Wow, uh, Jonathan Taylor, former Badger running back, now with the Colts. Uh, he's going to be missing uh, multiple weeks because he had he had thumb surgery. Now he played the whole game. He even closed out uh, the game there uh, this pre- this pre- this past week. But he underwent uh, a thumb surgery. Now he's going to be out for a few weeks. And I saw, you know, the people on social media like wonder why you're out for f- a few weeks or why having surgery, you know, on a thumb. I mean, I got to imagine there's probably a couple different reasons there, but it had to be pretty serious. I would imagine if he underwent surgery right away for for a thumb injury, doctor. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I, you know, they haven't, to my knowledge, I haven't seen exactly what was done. Um, I mean, some of the most common things are going to be. Either a fracture, which is they usually announce it as a broken thumb, and, and I haven't seen that in the media. Um, so then, more common injury is going to be um, an injury, what we call a gamekeeper's thumb or a skier's thumb, where they basically tear the ligaments. That's very common in baseball. So, I mean, a number of baseball players get that. They'll get that's why that's really the impetus the, for the sliding glove that you see the major league players and some some uh, younger athletes as well. That big mitt they wear mm-hmm. is because it protects the thumb. So the thumb. Um, gets this really strong valgus force and it tears the ligament um, on the inner part um, of the thumb right at the base. And so that, that injury destabilizes the thumb, so it affects your grip. Um, so it's a big deal. So uh, that's, my assumption is that's probably what it is. Um, but again, without I haven't seen exactly what it is, but that would be my expectation. Uh, to, to kind of wrap it up here, I know it's not necessarily orthopedic-wise, but uh, Packers tight end, uh, Luke Musgrave uh, against the Chargers. Uh, there was a play where he got hurt, and he went to the sidelines and kind of bent over. But he but he finished the game, and it sounds like even the next day, you know, he finally told his trainer about something. And they sent him to the hospital, and they found out he had a lacerated kidney. And so, you know, he's going to be missing uh, quite a bit of time there. But is that something just you know for, from a hit from from a fall that somebody could could lacerate their, their kidney? I, I don't want to say too easily, but you know because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering when did that happen or how does that happen? Yeah, so it does happen absolutely. I mean, we see that. I mean, if you actually pay attention, there's usually a handful of these. It's generally the the, the most common are, are either going to be the kidney, um, the spleen, or the liver. Those are the ones that that are tend to take the hit. So basically, you, it's from a direct blow. So um, a hard impact and really, I mean, you hit it hard enough where it, it basically tears or lacerates is the term we use. So when people think of laceration, they think of like a stab wound, like a knife. This is more of a, a direct blow impact. Um, so, and they can be relatively mild or they can be very severe, life-threatening. But even when they're mild, you have to protect them because that area is, is basically prone to being re-injured. So if you take a hit a second time, then it can go from not so dangerous to very dangerous. And so they don't mess around with that. So unfortunately, yeah, that always shuts people down. 
Um, and, uh, and you know, obviously it's good to see that it wasn't too serious, but you can, you can imagine it was a pretty hard hit. We see this commonly in trauma patients. So people who are in motor vehicle collisions, things like that, high energy, we see commonly. So internal, you know, when you hear the term internal bleeding, that's generally what they're alluding to. So okay. that's going to be bleeding from a liver, a spleen, a kidney, something along those lines. Gotcha. All right. Before I let you go, I got to ask you, who's your top four in the college football playoff after this weekend's games? Oh, that's a huge, huge question. I mean, I think there's the obvious ones, um, the undefeated big ones. So, I mean, I think you're going to put um, Georgia and Michigan in there. I mean, I know the, <laughs> the Michigan debate, I guess that's a whole separate topic. But yeah. I would say those two are, are, are shooing. I mean, Florida State's the big question mark for me. I think Washington deserves a spot for now. So, to me, FSU is, is the one that has the question mark. Um, so... I, I'm a Texas fan, uh, so I, I would like to see Texas get in, so I'm kind of hoping FSU. But I, I guess at this point i got to go FSU, Washington, Michigan, um, and Georgia, um, probably in that reverse order. So I'd have Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Washington 3, Florida State 4. Um, but I, I guess we'll see how Florida State plays out. But, you know, to me, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see the Washington-Oregon game um, and then see if Texas could sneak in. And then, of course, Alabama's certainly in the mix as well, and Ohio State for that matter. So it's an interesting one. I think we're due for a 12-team playoff. That's going to make some real interesting football, um, and I think it's a real positive step, truthfully. But uh, I think you know we're stuck with four for one more year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm excited for these games starting tonight too. So, uh, And I'll just say, you know, NFL-wise, now things are getting closer for a final playoff spot. If we get to Week 17, Green Bay at Minnesota – you know, if you're looking for somebody to go with, you know, I might be available. <laughs> Just say it. Need a wingman. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Austin, appreciate the time as always, buddy. Have a good week, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon, okay, sir? Absolutely. Take care, Dan. Let's take a quick break, and we'll talk to our good buddy Joe Grabowski after these quick words. Prepare for the holidays with your local holiday headquarters, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Whether you're looking to prepare for a big holiday feast or looking to grab some party platters, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire has everything you need to make your holiday get-togethers extra special this year. And remember, Hy-Vee in Eau Claire is your headquarters for all of your catering needs for those work Christmas parties. From a wide selection in their meat department, bakery goods as far as the eye can see, and a massive wine and spirits department, Hy-Vee has something for everyone. Plus, get some Christmas shopping done with their new toy aisles and sports shop. Get ready for the holidays with High V. Well, it's a few days uh, removed from when uh, the Badgers brought home the axe, but uh, got to imagine our good buddy Joe here still feeling pretty good about having the the axe back in the the good old state of Wisconsin. Still feel still feeling really good about it. Yeah, uh, quite a victory and breaking rights for a year, which mm-hmm. is important. Yeah, absolutely. Guys looked like they enjoyed uh, chopping it down. I think who did I see was it. Uh, I don't know if it was Tauscher or somebody else that uh, they got to work on their chopping skills a little bit on the field goal post there for some yep. of those guys. So, but uh, you know, it's uh, you can tell if you don't think that game meant anything to a lot of those players. Soon as that clock ticked down to zero and seeing those guys run over to grab it right away, oh. that gives the indication how much that meant to a lot of people. It is a, I mean, it's instilled into the programs, both of them, and. I mean, there is, it's circled on the calendar. It's beginning of the year. Everyone knows, looks forward to the game, and you're working for it. And, you know, it's kind of a cool trophy if you know the history of it. It was a slab of bacon, mm-hmm. and then it was stolen. Yeah. And then they found it in a, a, 
a room in the uh, in Camp Randall, and somebody was still adding the scores to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen the uh, slab of bacon; it's actually still in. Have you? Yeah, it's yeah. it's up in uh, Camp Randall, so um, pretty cool. Um, just the history behind it, and uh, yeah, it's the uh, oldest college. Ro- I mean, that's mm-hmm. all you have to say. It's the oldest one. Yeah. And uh and I feel like a lot of people don't realize that too yet. Yeah. You know, kind of get swept under the rug yeah, a little 133, bit. 133 mm-hmm. was that one 133 years I've been playing this yeah. game. And if I and again I enjoy history. If I remember correctly, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt that uh canceled college football because of the amount of deaths that were on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh when he was in presidency. That was the only time they didn't play. So it's very cool. I, yeah. I just love the whole nostalgia about it. Uh it's bragging rights. Players get amped up for it. Um, I'm 20 years removed, and I still get excited for the X. That, that's just what was the first thing you said to me when you walked in the studio? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're still pumped. So, okay. By the way, I was going to ask you this later. If I ever start that history podcast, I want to start. You might have to co-host it with me, man. <laughs> I would love to. Like I said, I I can't recall with with my memory like dates and times, etc. Like some people can, but. Uh, I think uh, it's just a great story, mm-hmm. and every every place and time has its own story. And yes, um, I am fascinated by history. It's cool. I am too, man. I just if you give me a good documentary for a couple hours, I'm I'm good. Absolutely. Ab- uh, you know, yes, definitely. I think I was reading. Uh, I couldn't sleep uh, a couple nights ago, and I was reading the history of the Chinese wall, uh, the Great Wall of China, and I don't know why it just popped into my under my feet, and mm-hmm. here I am. Yeah, going again. If you're a big now, we're getting off topic here, but it is badger related. Uh, if you're ever looking for like a good read on history, the Mosquito Bowl oh. is a book, um, and it's about World War II, okay. uh, but college football players who had to go fight over, over, yep. over there, and they talked about there was this game because there was a lot of uh, uh, college football players over there, and so they played a played a football game, really, and they called it the Mosquito Bowl. Awesome. And a lot of those players, and there was a former Badger, and I'm blanking on the name. His number's retired though. It's from Lancaster, Wisconsin. But anyways, he's in, he's featured a lot in that in that book too. It's a very very good book and puts a lot in perspective too because a lot of those players didn't make mm-hmm. it back home. Absolutely, yeah. um, I think I read a, a, a book about strictly just the players that uh, are, were on Wisconsin's football team and went over. And then I don't remember the name of the book, but mm-hmm. uh, I read the book and I was just like, it's unbelievable. Can you imagine being in college? Yeah, and then. You know, you're playing football, and then before you know it, you're off to, mm-hmm. you know, war. And uh, But that was just a commitment of that generation. It was yep. just un- unshakable and unbelievable. Dave Schreiner was the guy. Yep. Dave Schreiner. And, and he yeah. also was featured in that book. Okay. So, yep. yep. But it was, yeah, because a lot of it was it was Midwest Big Ten. Yep. Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin guys Great. on there. So. Just a really cool history, even mm-hmm. for uh, – Madison and Camp Randall and and the football team to have that association and those guys. Yep, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. So, uh, we do have a couple questions uh, for for you to, to before we uh, kind of get a little bit further here. But one uh, was we were talking a little bit off the air, so I'll ask you this one first. Somebody had asked, do you do you ever have a favorite place to play besides Camp Randall or at the Rose Bowl? And really quick, you said no. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. Uh, I think I was in awe of the Big House my first time there, like mm-hmm. just because of the size of it. And, I mean, it's kind of cool that way. Just, you know, um, obviously in awe of uh, Pasadena, the Rose Bowl. Right. And that was just like something I watched on TV as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to go on the turf was unbelievable. So I guess if I had to pick one, that would be the favorite one. Yeah. One of the favorite ones. Um, but other than that, um, no, every place you went into was seemed to be a hostile territory. And uh, I never was uh, like, oh, this is a beautifully, aesthetically pleasing stadium that I get to play in today. No, it's mm-hmm. just like <laughs> it's all business. And uh, 
Uh, yeah, but I, I don't have anything that was favorite. I think, like I said, I was most in awe of of um, just the big house, just because the vast sizeness of it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And something you walk in there, you're like, wow. Yeah. Almost. You notice it right away. You do, just mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the way it's set up. But, but yeah, it was uh, very mm-hmm. cool. But. Uh, the other question that uh, we had, too, because Monday is the official day, but you have some Badgers already and a lot of players already saying they're entering mm-hmm. the transfer portal, which something that I'm still getting used to, yep. you know, the last couple of years. But somebody had asked you uh, just your thoughts and asked, could you imagine having that back in your day when you played? No. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm almost glad that it wasn't. I see – I see the purpose of it. Like, I understand. Um, I think we have offensive linemen that's leaving right now. I just mm-hmm. saw it this morning. You know, he is like third or fourth year. Um, he's not starting. He's number two or number three. Um, the guys ahead of him are, are better uh, or are starting. And so his dreams and aspirations of going to the NFL are now limited because mm-hmm. he's not going to get play time. He's not going to get the exposure. So I understand like that aspect of it where you could be go to a different team and you could step in and be a starter and just be a stud. So I understand that. Um, but I think loyalty, I, I'm happy it wasn't there because it made you work harder. Yeah. If you're, if you're second and third string, work harder, mm-hmm. like work your way up. You're here for a reason. You're competing for a spot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't want to say it's a cop-out because it's not, but you have to uh, put yourself in the best position for you to move on with your dreams, and that's simply what it is. So mm-hmm. I I applaud players for doing that. It would be a hard transition for me personally because once you get into the swing of – if you're at uh, in Madison for three years, you have to uproot all your friends, all your stuff, and uh, relocate. It's uh, – yeah, I, I don't know if I – and then what if you uh, went to a team and it was a mistake? Right. You know, so I don't know. I guess uh, put your head down, work harder. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you saw like uh, so like Miles Burkett, the the quarterback too. He's a Wisconsin kid. He's also entering a transfer portal. And I was reading uh, from Colton Bartholomew, who we've had on our program many times. He's the football beat reporter for Wisconsin State Journal, and he had a quote from Burkett. I don't know if it was recent or not, but uh, he said being the number three quarterback is one of the loneliest, maybe worst jobs. I'm kind of paraphrasing because he said. You know, first team starter, second team is doing team uh, second reps, fourth quarterbacks running the scout team, fifth quarterbacks or fifth quarterbacks running the scout team, fourth quarterbacks helping him, third quarterbacks not doing anything, and that's what he was doing. Right, and and he, you know, you could tell he was frustrated by right. that too. And you know, Wisconsin kid wanting to play for the Badgers Absolutely. and that, but you know, he's going to go look for another opportunity elsewhere. So I do think in that kind of a, a respect, it is a good thing where you're not committing to a team and then all of a sudden you're not going to play and that ends your career because you ended up being a third string, you know, position player and you never got the team or the exposure. So if mm-hmm. you're trying to better yourself in that aspect, then yes, like especially in the offensive line position at Wisconsin, yeah. you were competing because there were guys going to the NFL. Like right. that was what it was. So one, do you wait your turn? Do you wait your time? Do you hone your craft and hone your skills and work your butt off in order for you to get moved up? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, too, people are just more athletically gifted than you are. Right. And, you know, that's – so I, I really don't – I see a need for it, too. But I mean, but I also see the bad. Like, I'm not playing. I hate my coach. I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, so – Right. It's pros and cons to both. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh we got so we're waiting to see who the Badgers play or where they're gonna go for for their bowl game. Uh we know you've done the Rose Bowl. You oh. mentioned Copper Bowl was your Copper first bowl. one. Yep. Uh was it Arizona? Yep. Back in the was that kind of adjustment going from high school to college, all the traveling you had to do? Was that something you had to get used to or is that something that never really crossed your mind? You just 
it was part of the thing, but you well, had to do it. Never really traveled much mm-hmm. until I went to football. <laughs> like our family trips were local and same uh, here. <laughs> if we yep. were going to go somewhere camping, it was twenty minutes from the house. Yep. And then if we forgot something, you could just turn around and run back. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, so um, flying was definitely different. I mean, after the first time flying it becomes old hat um, yeah doesn't matter obviously going someplace nice or warmer in the in december and january was always kind of cool but mm-hmm. uh for four years i wasn't even i, I wasn't home for christmas yeah which we were always gone which is a great problem to have if you're playing in a bowl mm-hmm. outstanding so yeah it's cool was there any other like speaking of that were there and you don't have to name names but like players wishing that they didn't travel on christmas that they could go home right was that really kind of like was there any down? Never heard anybody say that. Again, you become so close as a team and a family. Like, that is your family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the season gets long, so you might hear, like, man, like, you know, it's I'm just sore. I'm beat up, and you're not going to get any relief until after the bowl game. But no one, I mean, it, you were all in. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was your family at the time, you know. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I, I never heard anything about that. Yeah. Never heard anybody complain, and we were always like, yeah, I mean, let's – Let's play in a January 1st bowl. You know, like that was kind of the mentality. Right. Did you ever – I was having this conversation with a couple athletes the other day. Burnout, did that ever kind of come up, creep up? Because, I mean, you, we've we go back to our conversations in spring ball and then, you know, camp leading up to it, and now we're talking bowl games and that. Did you ever go through episodes where, hey, you know what, I just want a break, you know, a little bit of burnout or anything Absolutely. like that? I think everybody does. And yeah. I think anybody who tells you that they don't, that's a complete lie. Yeah. It's a long season. Mm-hmm. The days are long. The months are long. Uh, physically, you're you're beat up. At this at this stage in the in, in the season, you're tore up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Now you're just trying to, you know, nurse yourself to the next game. And, uh, again, now maybe have a little bit of a break. And then this break right here before the bowl, um, you can have almost two issues. One, it, it allows you to heal, which is great. On the other time, you know, sometimes that rust creeps in. You know, you're used to banging every day, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now you're not. And you'll still be doing practices, but you're kind of more of a relaxed pace. Uh, you're not just, you know, constantly going uh, full bore. You know, so you have to either, one, you're trying to heal, and number two, not allowing the rust to get, you know, to come in because otherwise mm-hmm. if you aren't uh, practicing every day, it happens, and you'll see this. Like teams that are, are 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 supposed to win these these bowl games, and they show up and they're flat. You right. Know? Well, you've had a month off, a month and a half off. Mm-hmm. You got to keep it sharp. Yeah. Question that I have for you: Is there anything in today's college football world that you wish would have been around, like when you played, so like a conference championship, like we got Iowa versus Michigan this week? Did would you have loved to have played in a Big Ten conference championship game like that, or? or the playoff or, or anything like that? Is there anything about today's game that you would have been like, you know what, I, that that would have been cool to kind of maybe participate in? I think the whole playoff thing would have been really cool to, to be a part of. Like, we didn't have any of that. You know, you went through the bowl, you went through bowl, that was it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the chance for you to be able to, you know, compete against these teams from uh, other conferences, you know, that are good, mm-hmm. you know, that the ones you see on TV, like the Alabama, et cetera, LSU, was, would just be – Kind of a cool, mm-hmm. a cool phenomenon because the speed of their game compared to even the speed of the game, at, you know, in the Big Ten is significantly different. Right, their athletes are, you know, so like 
that would have been kind of cool because you can claim that you're the best, blah, 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 and how good you are, but until you can prove it, you know, like, right. there's always that question mark, you know, how good were we? Right. So. I know Braylon Allen already declared for, for the NFL yeah. uh, draft. I think he's going to be such a unique player because he's going to be 20 in January. Yep. And he's already got three years of college ball under his belt. Unbelievable. And he's a bigger running back, yep. you know, big, like, yep. muscular sort yeah, of thing there. Absolutely. I just I feel like he's going to be such a unique player, like how teams view him, and I think a big part is going to be that age yep. factor with him too. Agreed, and I think as he, uh, as you're younger, you bounce back from injuries a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have heard you know the boo birds about it. Like I can't believe he's leaving. Um, again, here's the deal, folks. It's a it's a business. Yep, and he's doing what's best for him, and he's doing what's best for his family, and like. I think I mentioned this before, that opportunity, that window was such a short, short window where you have to do what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't question a guy's loyalty. He's been here for three years. Right. He stayed in state. He's trying to better himself and capitalize on that opportunity that he has before him. So, yep. you know, it's not about, oh, you know, how dare he leave, like, you know, after all we've done for him. I'm like, what, what what have we done for him? We offered him a scholarship, and he's uh, done it all himself. Mm-hmm. So if he thinks he's prepared for the NFL, and it's what you know is best for him and his family and his longevity, like hey, go get it. Yeah, go freaking get it, mm-hmm. and uh, don't ever have a question about it, and put it all into it. And you know what? Everyone else will just, especially the position he plays too. Yeah, you know, it's a running, running back. back. I mean. Yeah. He, he, you're just a hammer, you mm-hmm. know. It's very similar offensive line. Like it's just, yep. it, it's such a pounding on your body. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and I, I know I'm on uh, on the radio, and you can't see me walk, but I'm 46, and I feel like I'm 107 today. Like I am struggling, and yeah. that's from 20 years of you know of just beating my head in there, you know. And uh, and I'm not complaining because I wouldn't change one aspect of it, like zero. But you got to give the guy like his career is his window is very short. So yep. kudos to you, man. Yep. I appreciate what you did for us in our state and for our school. Like that's right. what I want to hear um, because uh, just and, and and I haven't met him. Um, I'm like everybody else. I watch from a distance. Um, I have friends that know him. He just appears to be an outstanding human being, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So how can you not applaud that? Right, man. Go out there, get it. Yeah, he doesn't owe fans or anything like that either, Zero. right? Right. It's that entitlement factor coming in. I think it's you know. it's, it's bizarre because I you know and, and I I fall into it too. I start reading the comments. And I'm like, eh, eh. like come on, yeah. Like it's not about us, right? Yeah, like exactly. we've had the pleasure to watch him play, perform, and do his thing and work his butt off mm-hmm. and just every day grinding it and uh man go do it yep i totally agree i will support you i will i, I will uh, applaud you from afar and, and be in admiration and i hope you freaking make it mm-hmm. i wouldn't mind if it's in a green and gold jersey too i wouldn't mind either absolutely <laughs> yeah. but you know go, go get it man yep like, uh super cool thank you for representing our school um and uh for coming here because it was uh, it was an honor to watch you is that something, fan. like, as a former Badger, too, you kind of, like, you know, in the NFL, you obviously Jonathan Taylor and, you know, all these, you, you kind of, is it a pride thing to watch these other Badgers succeed at the NFL? Absolutely it is. I mean, like, uh, you know, the J.J. Watts and, the, and, and uh, Joe Thomas, especially Joe Thomas being an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. but we follow, I, I still follow who's where. Yeah. I'm still, uh, if I'm going to do the channel, it's like, oh, he's playing here. Uh, 
our Badgers playing center. You know, like so, yep. and that's what I'm doing. It's just like I said, it's it's it, it is a very cool fraternity, um, and just um, it was an honor to be a part of it. I love how too like the Badger football like Twitter account too. They will post every week Badgers in action this yeah. week, so it kind of gives you that idea. Absolutely. You I know, watch that. and it's, it's just very cool. Like I said, it, it it was such a you know for me knowing what they've gone through even throughout Wisconsin and then up at the next level. How can you not be a fan? Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable. I agree. All right, before I let you go, calendar flipped over to December now, man, yep. so we which go means from, Christmas. Yep, we go from pumpkin to peppermint. Yeah. So uh, we are starting tomorrow. We have the uh, peppermint mocha, so we can also get it to frappe or iced, and I brought you in a uh, a peppermint. Nice. Yeah. It's perfect time too. I've been telling people looking for stocking stuffers, gift cards. Yep, absolutely. Cabin coffee or even freshly brewed. I recommend the giddy up. Yep. That's what was in my deer camp pot <laughs> the whole week there was the giddy up. So those make great gifts too, as you yes, mentioned a few times for your dad. You yep. know, for uh, my dad was a uh, red can coffee drinker for forty years. And mm-hmm. uh, uh when we opened up a coffee shop he's like you want, why, why would I spend this much on money on coffee? You know, this one lasts me a month. I said, yeah, we'll see. Okay, so I, I get it. He's, yep. I, I know who he is. So, <laughs> and uh, so for I think for his birthday or Christmas, I got him a five pound bag of my coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, when that baby ran out, all of a sudden I got a phone call like, hey, we're gonna get some more of this. Oh. How's that? Uh, I'll make a trip over. Yeah, yeah. make sure I get it for you, Dad. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yep. So it's perfect gifts there, too. Yep. Uh, and then plus the swag you guys got, the oh, yeah. mugs. Oh, yeah. So easy Christmas shopping done over there. You get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said it's super easy. We have we, we stocked up on gift cards. It's that time of season. But, uh, yeah, we love it. So mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. So to, to kind of wrap it up here, if we do this history podcast, I know one person is going to be excited to hear it because I got a message I don't know if it's your mom, Dolores. Yeah, it's my mom. No, yeah, she sent a message on Facebook <laughs> yesterday saying more interviews with Joe Grabowski uh, over oh, yes. there. So. so my mom is uh, not tech savvy, but she's working <laughs> on it. She's on Facebook, and uh, when she found out I'm doing this, uh, she wants to hear her, uh, her baby boy on the radio. So uh, and uh, so she's uh, dialed in, and yeah, that's uh, again. Uh, I have a wonderful family. My mother is amazing, and mm-hmm. so is my father. And uh, they're still around, and uh, they're a blessing to have. And uh, they did a good job, I think. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. So shout out to Mrs. Grabowski. Yes, I did get your message. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to do the history one now too, because she wants more Joe. Uh, evidently. So that's awesome. I had to share. I was waiting all. <laughs> to the end to, to share that one there for <laughs> oh you. that's so, funny um so you can tell her that message i will received. i will definitely do that so joe appreciate it buddy always love chatting with you man and let's work on that maybe that history sounds podcast, good let's bud. do it awesome thanks buddy take care that's going to do it for this episode of the man cave podcast brought to you by our good friends from high v and toys and ford dan casper here big thanks again for tuning in don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, if you'd be so kind to give us a five-star rating and a positive review so others can find the podcast. Until next time, I'll talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.